Hello, and welcome back to an all-new episode of Real Talk with Pastor Brian and Christy. Today, we have a very special episode for you with a very special guest. So, without further ado, here are your hosts, Pastor Brad and Christy. Good morning, Christy. Brianna, how are you today? Great. I'm doing well. It is great to be here back for another episode of Real Talk. Today, we have a special episode, and we are going to take time today and talk about the subject of being all in. We have been going through that. It's actually a sermon series that we've been going through, and uh, we've kind of wrapped that up. And um, it's interesting that when we began this sermon series, we began it with the passing of one of my heroes of the faith, Dr. Jimmy Brose, um, who probably just a six, eight weeks ago went home to be with the Lord. And then when I preached my last sermon on this sermon series, it was also with the passing of one of my heroes of the faith for me, uh, Brother Bob Voss. And so today, I would like to just take time and celebrate and honor the legacy of these two men. And, um, and to do that, I've asked a very special friend of mine to come in who was not able to be on the call today and who was not able to make the service for Brother Bob because of his distance and work schedule and stuff of that nature. But uh, Brother Matt Cousson, uh, it is great to have you today, brother. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's glad to be here. Um, just just an honor to be on your show, and and what an honor to talk about Brother Bob. Absolutely. And when we think about that subject of being all in, you know, we'd walk through that out of Second Timothy where he talked about a person who is all in and what they can be known for. And, um, you know, first of all, I, I know you didn't really get to know Dr. Jimmy Brose, but for a long time he worked for the Southern Louisiana Baptist Convention. And um, he actually started um, the Toledo Bend um, Resort that Mary Gore runs. Really? And I know you're familiar with that. And um, yeah. Matt uh, is, is – uh, that's his day job. He he runs a camp in um, the Memphis area. What's, what's the uh, – it's not Cordova. What's the location of your camp? Yeah, it, it's located in Cordova. Oh, it's located in Cordova, and um, yeah, right out there. And so he's. It's called Red Oak. Red. Tell us about your camp, man. <laughs> I'm messing it up. <laughs> it's uh, the Grove at Red Oak Lake, and uh, used to be an association camp, and then a local church bought it, and then um, in 2013, uh, my family and I came up there. Came up here, excuse me, um, and. And we've been been uh, here ever since. But it's uh, yeah, it's a great facility. Uh, it does a lot for the Lord, and just a just a privilege every day to be here. Um, but boy, I sure miss my Louisiana uh, family. So I can't, <laughs> we miss I can't you, man. <laughs> it's interesting, you know. You you I, I met you when you were at Tall Timbers, running assistant director here at that camp, and. Um, so Dr. Jimmy Brose uh, started the camp, the resort up at um, Toledo Bend, and then he's, his job for the convention was um, uh, relations with African-American pastors and working in that dynamic, and um, that's what he spent his life and legacy uh, towards. And I want to share a little bit about him, Matt, and then I want us to talk about your relationship, about what it looked like to know Bob and him being all in. A couple of things stuck out with me f for Brother Jimmy there, and um, one was when they were hiring Mary Gore at the con you know it's a convention led camp. I mean, it's, it's the convention has uh, I don't know the exact dynamic of it, but they were in charge of the camp and hiring Mary Gore, and of course they didn't want to hire a woman, you know. 
And uh, Dr. Jimmy, he said, guys, I just have one question for you. He said, we collect three main offerings a year. And he said, could you tell me what the names of those offerings are? As Southern Baptist. As Southern Baptist, as Louisiana Baptist. And, of course, um, it would be Lottie Moon, uh, Georgia Barnett, and Annie Armstrong. So Lottie Moon and um, uh, Annie Armstrong will be the national, and Georgia Barnett was our local. And, of course, man, he just baited them so much. And he said, if women are good enough to collect money in their all in their name as missionaries, can't we hire a woman missionary? And uh, Mary Gore has <laughs> been there ever since. So I thought you, I don't know if you knew that story, but I thought you'd appreciate it. And then the, like other, the other thing about Brother Jimmy is um, he spent his life, and when I was at his memorial service, I looked around, and there was just very few African Americans there. And um, I, I, was, I was a little, uh, I don't know what the word would be. I wasn't shocked or I was just like, well, none of them made it, you know, nobody made it to the service. And then the next week, um, well, probably about three weeks later, I received a invitation <clears throat> to join a group of pastors. And, um, when I went there, I was the only Caucasian with about 28 African-American pastors. And, uh, when it was over, one of them lived near where brother Jimmy had lived. And I, I said, did you know, uh, brother Jimmy Brose? And Pastor Matt, when I mentioned his name, like the majority of those men in that room started saying, man, he mentored me. He had an wow. impact in my life and they didn't even know he had passed away, you know? And I was like, wow, this, this man carried a big wake with him. And so his, yeah. this all in was, uh, our sermon series that we were going into anyway. And then like, he was the beginning of it, you know, and how if your heroes, uh, if your hero that you follow cannot be touched and cannot be communicated with, and they're not really your hero because a true definition yep. of a hero is someone who comes along beside you and help makes your life better. And so yep. with that being said, you know, I know that, uh, Bob was a hero to you as well. And, um, man, I know you didn't get to make it and you so wanted to be here. And, um, man, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that and, you know, I want you to tell about your first experience with Bob and our conversations and and what you <laughs> learned from him. Yeah, uh, uh, boy, where do you start? Another Bob Paul story. Um, great stories. Uh, he was a great storyteller. I, I tell people up here in Memphis all the time. I said one of the one of the best compliments you can give someone from Louisiana is to be a good storyteller. And uh, Bob was a great storyteller. Um, so now it's our turn. We can tell stories about, about Bob. Um, let's see, probably one of my first, <laughs> uh, real good, good story. Memory stories was, uh, Brad and I were prepared to go to Peru. Um, and, uh, it was not going to be an easy trip. Um, everything was unknown. And I mean, everything was unknown from, uh, you know, where do you say it was a, uh, what they, at the time they called them vision tours where they, you know, you would just right. go and Lord led you. And, um, um, so. Yeah. Bob we had three Bob, areas that we were going to and, yeah. and neither of us had ever been to the country. And so we knew nothing about it, you know? Yeah. And, and I'd never been out of, out of the country. You know what I mean? So, um, so we really was, uh, you know, embarking on a whole new adventure and, and 
And so with that being said, you know, you, you, you're very selective of who you, you go with because you don't want anyone to get hurt or, or to be disappointed, you know. Um, and, and you, you know, when you don't know what you're doing, it's, it's hard to, to promote, hey, come with me. I don't know what I'm doing, you know. And <laughs> come with me to the I've unknown. Learned over the years, I've learned over the years that when you, when you lead open and honest, uh, God tends to send people to you uh, to help you. And, um, and Bob was definitely sent to help us. And, and I'll give you an example is, um, I was concerned when he said he wanted to go. He was, I don't know, what was he? 70? 79. Uh, 79, you know? And so 79 wanting to go. And I, I was thinking we're going to be hiking up, you know, a mountain. We're going to be trekking through, you know, trails and, you know, we, we just don't know what we're going to get into. In you fact, know? your words yeah. to me was, Pastor Brad, he can't go. You yeah. got to tell him he can't go. <laughs> and, and Brad says, I'm not telling him. <laughs> i never forget that. Brad you says, tell him. Yeah, he said, you, you tell him. So I tried to have that, that you know, man-to-man conversation. And I realized who the man in the room was uh, <laughs> when I had that tried to have that conversation. He was the man, you know. He was the adult in the room. And I said, Bob, I just don't know. And, and I, I was him hauling. I think he knew what I was getting at. Um, and basically, I forgot exactly his words, Brad, you might remember. But he said, um, uh, you know, you you just try to keep up with me. And <laughs> That's exactly right. And, uh, well, I don't, you know, I don't remember this part of the conversation, but I do remember Cortland Bell in Haiti. Uh, when we years was there later, with him after this. years later, like years, like probably five years later, he's 85 and, and Cortland was a wide receiver for Louisiana college. And Bob said, I'll beat you up that mountain. Anytime you want to take a challenge. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wasn't yeah. part, I don't think I was part of that conversation where you tried to pastorally negotiate him out of going. <laughs> yeah. Well, it didn't work. Uh, it didn't work. And, uh, he's, so basically he said, you know, you just try to keep up and, and, you know, you, you immediately, you know, you think of, you know, Caleb looking at the hill country, you know. I'm as strong now as I was when this was promised to me. That's you know great. what I mean? And, and um, at that point, just get out of his way. And so he went and, and was just 100%, uh, you know, an asset to everything we did. We couldn't have, couldn't have been there without him. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway. Uh, yeah, that was just one of the, you know, like I said, every now and then you think you know something in life and you run across somebody who knows something in life. And uh, uh, I, I appreciated that, that gentleman. And I think, I think when I went back and looked, he went back four other times to Peru and twice to Haiti. Yeah, he went back. He was there when I went to Peru. He was um, he was one yeah. of the five that went with me. So Yeah, him and, and Miss Pat was on that trip as well. That's yeah, right. Miss Pat went and um, it and so the thing about Always that is, you know, I know that was the first lesson we learned from him, but you had the privilege of serving along beside him a long time here because, you know, the thing about Bob is it wasn't just international uh, fun. Like He wasn't oh, just an, uh, uh, what do they call those, um, uh, international Christian vacationers doing mission work, you know, because like he right. was faithfully in the trenches here. You know, in fact, I, I, I asked Christy for Iris Tuttle's, did she have her number? Because in looking for some pictures, I found her and Bob in the 
in the inner city of Alexandria doing some work together. And I was like, man, I would just love for her to get that picture, you know, because whether it was in Haiti, whether it was in Peru, San Blas Islands, the Philippines, or just across the the neighborhood, the the city. I mean, Bob was a faithful witness and, uh, man, he, he impacted our life so much. But you know, you know, pastor, that, that's what being all in is. Um, all in isn't selecting when you want to play. You know, being all in isn't saying, I feel like contributing to the team today. Um, all in says, I'm all in. Where do you need me? What time do you need me to be there? You know, that's, and just living, living that. Um, mm. you, you know, you, you don't wait till the opportunity arises to behave a certain way. You just, you're all in or you're not. In you two, behave a certain way. Yeah. Whether and- anyone, no, that's a very deep point, man. That's a very deep point. And, and, um, I never forget in 2000, um, when COVID had just started, we were actually doing some work at the North campus and Bob literally helped build that thing from the ground up. And, and that was when he first started getting weak and, and not able to do what he used to do. And I went and picked him up and, and brought him up there and it was just a little bit, but I handed him a sheetrock knife and I said, I need you to put some mud on this wall right here because there's never been anything done here that you've not touched. And uh, <laughs> I said, man, I want you to touch this wall. I want you to, I want your touch on this wall right here. And uh, sure enough, he got it and, you know, did it for a few minutes. And, and, um, but I guess, I guess what we, the thing that I want to encourage our listeners on today, Matt, is how many times we're too busy to build those deep relationships. And, and I think about how shallow our life would be had we not had those relationships with Bob Voss who who poured so much into us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I tell you, you know, just think about this conversation before you call, um, you know, being all in also means you're, you're in, you're all in behind the scenes. Um, there was a lot he did for our family and, and me personally that I never knew about and never will this side of eternity. Um, the prayer that him and Pat, you know, would pray over us. Um, you know, when we would have a family achievement success, they would celebrate it, you know? Yes, they would. Um, and just, you know, I, I don't know. They just don't make people like that everywhere. Um, yeah, they're, 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 that's a special couple. You know, you can't talk about Bob without talking about Pat. Um, you know, that's, that's all I've ever known is the two of them together. Um, but yeah, they just every every um, every aspect of Family of Grace has has their fingerprints on it. They, they uh, very much are like Lewis and Clark. Their their name <laughs> individually means nothing, but when you put them together, it's just that you can't say one without the other. You know. Well, that's true. That is so true. And when you think about that, that's a very good point because it wasn't. It was always behind the scenes that they were always willing there, and you knew they were a faithful witness and stuff. And so um, it's an amazing yeah. aspect. I see Christy and, wanting and, to jump you know, in they, here with they, us. Go ahead. They led um, with their generation was not doing what they were doing. You That's, know, uh, just to be honest, you know, flat honest, they, their, their generation were playing it safe, a lot, playing it safe in a lot more comfortable environment. Um, and, and they, for some reason, you know, God, called them and they responded and they showed up and um were faithful 
That's so powerful, Matt, because what most people don't realize is Bob was 78 when he left the church that he was leading worship at, him and Pat, and they left their church. He was 78 years old and came to join up with us, a little startup church, because, um, or he might have been 77, 77, 78. I know he was 78 when he built the building, and so it was probably 77 when he officially joined up with us, but... um. Cause, cause we went to Peru the next year. So, you know, he was 79 that next year. Cause family of grace wanted to be an acts one, eight church. That was not just here for ourselves, but for the surrounding neighborhood states and around the world. But man, that's a great word because so much of their generation is trying to run out the clock. And like, if I can just hold on to my church, like we have it, you know, and just if it can last till I'm here, but man, when he was 77, 78, him and Pat walked away from everything they had known and trusted this little church called Family of Grace. That um, that's the strangest thing to me because usually it's the the you know older people stay, and then maybe one or two of their kids go to a different church, or then their grandkids kind of spread out and go to different churches or whatever. Just you know, in the traditional history, your grandparents stay at the same church; they don't leave. Right. Whereas in Bob and Pat's, um, and I wasn't I wasn't kids. in on this, but they left kids and grandkids at the church, and they changed churches, which is unique. It's a very unique situation. I remember hearing Donis, uh, his daughter, just the other day because they attended church together, and he looked at her and said, okay, you can do the music next week because <laughs> we're gone. And you know what else, Matt? And you, you had already moved to Memphis when we had taken over the South Campus or was blessed with the South Campus. And when it came time to multiply – and to start Sunday services here, you know, we ask for some families to intentionally leave Family of Grace and come help us plant this new work here. You, you know he was in, him and Pat were in the group that said. We'll go. We'll go. We'll go. Yeah. And so that's just amazing. Because most of them, you know, they're it, just the music itself they wouldn't tolerate, you know. And um, right. it's just amazing. So <laughs> I love the story that your kids tell uh, where you, when y'all were getting gas. Well, you remember that story? You were getting gas and he was in that little Volkswagen oh, bug. <laughs> yeah. He had bought Pat a um, little Volkswagen bug. Cool little car, you know. And Bob, if, if you're listening to this and you don't know him, you're kind of hearing this legacy of, the, of this legend here. Uh, picture a cowboy, tall and thin, tall and lean. You know, real, real cowboy-looking, um, iconic figure. And uh, anyway, so there he is. We're we're at a gas station, and and they pull up at one of the gas pumps, and he's got his cowboy hat on, which takes up the whole cab of that Volkswagen bug. You know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how he can legally see. <laughs> and, and my kids, my kids love them. That was not uh, Pat approved, by the way, that, either. Not if he wore the. <laughs> no, that's true. Fashionably approved. It was not fashionably approved. <laughs> but my kids love Bob and Pat, and um, so you know they naturally look they were like young. You know how they young kids. You know they. Uh, by, by the way, be a hero to a young kid. Um, just just be nice to them, and and they'll love you till you prove them wrong. You know. <laughs> so they. Uh, uh, Anyway, so so my kids love love Bob and Pat. They saw him at the gas station. They're like, "This is Brother Bob, Brother Bob, look at Brother Bob." 
and he gets out of that car with his cowboy hat on, and they laugh. They're like, <laughs> cowboys don't drive cars like that. That's, that was a famous saying, you know. And he says, well, I do. Yeah. <laughs> his favorite line was, uh, shoot you out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, man, I know you I know you have somewhere to be here just in a few minutes, but do you have some other closing thoughts you'd like to share? Oh, wow. Um, you know, just, just the fact that, you know, when somebody, somebody leaves this world, you, you, you kind of think about them, reflect on them, what they meant to you and what they meant to other people. Um, you know, and I think about your sermon series, you know, of being all in, you know, he was all in, um, not just with me, but with, with my whole life. He mm-hmm. knew where I lived. He knew where I worked. Um, you know, he knew my family, he knew my kids' names. Um, when I would come into back to Louisiana for various reasons, if I would go by church, he would always find a way to be there, you know, um, to hug his neck. And, um, you know, I told some Brad, one of the, uh, hurricanes we went down there to, to serve in and we came back and went to church, mm-hmm. Bob was there. And I told the guys that, that, that older man had described it to him, who he was, had passed away. They remembered exactly who he was. Oh, wow. You know, of all the people they met that day, you know what I mean? And, and over the course of those kind of trips, you meet just hundreds or thousand people. They remembered exactly who he was. They knew they, they were like, yeah, the guy that greeted us at the door, you know, and mm-hmm. that older guy, the, the guy that you said that you went on trips with, that guy, they just, you know, he's just, he's just a memorable person. Yeah. And, um, so and the, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to close. It's hard to close, and I think the word you're saying is, man, don't wait till they die to eulogize them. You know, I never yeah. saw him that I did not say, what are you doing, hero? You know, and, <laughs> and, and to live that to the fullest, because he literally was one of my heroes. Absolutely, and yeah. So, um, well, man, thank you so much for jumping on the call and just sharing a couple of thoughts, and, and thank you for being instrumental to the life and ministry and legacy of Family of Grace, and and I know you that you mean so much to, to Pat and I know you're praying for her. And, uh, as, as Matt jumps off, I do want to share Bob's life verse. And, um, it was Psalms one twenty one, And I was talking to Pat about this. This was his mother's life verse and his life verse. And when they redid their wedding vows at 25 years, this was the verse that they stood upon. And it was, I will lift my eyes unto the heels from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord who is, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will never, neither slumber or briefly sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon strike you by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your life and the Lord will guard you're going out and you're coming in and everything you do from this day forward until you see God's city. And, you know, when you think about that, that was the way he lived. And when I understood his life first, I understood why he wasn't scared to go to Peru at 79 and Haiti at 85 and to do these things because it, it was up to the Lord. He was the Lord's and he had given him his life and everything that he had. And God had always proven himself faithful and today, my friends, a couple of things I want to encourage, encourage you with is don't miss the opportunity to find you modern-day heroes that you can sit down and have coffee with 
go to and pray for it. You can cry in their living room. You can sleep on their sofa if you need to. That you can, um, that you know if you're in a in a difficult situation, that you can call them and they'll be there. Find those people that they'll have that difference and that impact in your life. And um, man, and then the other thing I want to encourage you is find a verse to live by, and it will be the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path, and the strength for the days ahead. And uh, what an awesome thing, Christy Bree. Have any uh, hey, thoughts? Man. Matt, thank you so much, brother. No, what a privilege. God bless everybody. We'll see. We'll see you later. All right, man. Thanks, Matt. Hurry home. <laughs> Got it. Bye bye. Bye. Yeah, don't wait on a hurricane. <laughs> Every time there's a hurricane anywhere near Louisiana, Matt comes back. So yeah. Um, we'll see him around August. Yeah. <laughs> the time August. Comes, that's right. August. Yeah. He's. Um, He's um heading. I hope he's not heading to Florida. He might be heading to Florida this week or whatever. Um, I'm at a loss for words. I did better during the funeral than I did today during y'all's podcast. So <laughs> I can't. I'm over here just. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's such a great guy. You can't really. Um, you close it. You're the preacher. Close it out. <laughs> um, I will say I, I. My start here at Family of Grace was probably when he was starting to not be around as much. But I did, um, my one Bob Voss story is we were upstairs in the education building uh, doing some work, and you had him here for about two weeks doing stuff up there. I think we were redoing floors and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, I went up there to check on him just to, you know, see him and see how he was doing and if he needed anything. And um, I said, Brother Bob, are you doing okay up here? He goes, I'm doing just fine. Do you need something? And I was like, I don't need anything. He goes, do you know how to play the piano? And um, I said, no, sir, I do not. I have no musical talents. He goes, well, I can. And he sat up there on those pianos, and he just played me a bunch of songs. And I was like, this is this is the best thing ever. And honestly, that was the one, like, I really didn't have many interactions with him. But I did get to know that he was a music lover, and he loved to worship, and that was his thing. So Absolutely. He would pick. He, I would love to listen to him play that piano and his harmonica. And mm-hmm. uh, he has touched many alive with children, children overseas with their harmonica because it's just they don't have they any don't of have that. that. You yeah. know, they've never seen that. And so uh, he would pull out that harmonica out of his pocket, and of course, <laughs> he would want to blow on it. You know, and he'd be like, No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but uh, you know, many a kid that uh, he pulled close uh, with that harmonica and touched so many people's lives and. Um, you know, just to um, hear him play those songs. I, for a long time, pre-COVID, we had a couple of men that would fix lunch here mm-hmm. on Fridays. and uh, That's what I was and, thinking about. And, and, he would play the piano while they while um, they were cooking. While they were cooking. And they would, like, say, hey, can you play this or whatever? And he just start, he just He would take requests. But then they would call out one, and they'd say, well, do you know so-and-so? And he'd be like, well, I think it goes like this, and he'd start playing it. And they're like, no, no, no. And he he looked at one of them one day and said, well, that's how they should have played it. <laughs> so, so he, um, it, you know, he did he did so many things just yeah. by memory and just started it. But he could always. I remember Mr. Billy would say, uh, Bob, Bob would say, can I quit yet? And Mr. Billy said, no, just keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, good thing there was never a shortage of pianos around this campus. Never was. No. Wherever he was, there was probably a piano near him, and he was yeah. playing it. So. Yeah. Did play a lot. There's an old song that I think, old hymn, and it really summarizes his life. And the verse says, wherever he leads, I'll go. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, I'll follow his steps. And I think that summarizes Bob's life is it, wherever he would lead, him and Pat were right there. And sometimes he was leading, sometimes Pat was leading, but they are interchangeably synonymous together. And, um, you know, she, he had his strengths and she had her strengths, and together they made a tremendously strong couple, you know, that did just extraordinary things for the I mean, kingdom I think of you God. said it well. They're a lot like Lewis and Clark on their own. You really wouldn't, like, that's just the name, but together. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. You know, you know who you're talking about. Yeah, we were talking about Lewis and Clark this morning, my wife and I, and we were, um, I said, well, I think it was uh, Clark Lewis, and she's like, no, no, dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Clark was his last name, you know, but. Um, I did not say you, dummy. You I didn't, didn't call dummy, you dummy. But it was pre-coffee, and that's the look she gave me. So <laughs> It was implied. Well, it was one, we, were one cu- we were one cup in. So. The dummy was implied there. <laughs> that's what I heard. That's what I heard I did her not say, say that. <laughs> uh, she did not call me a dummy, but. Um, but I was, yeah, I did feel like a dummy cause I'm like, yeah, that, yeah, that doesn't make no sense. That was her last name. <laughs> yeah. Clark and Lewis was her last name. So. He's had a lot of coffee. Well, since I did not know that. So thank you. <laughs> All right. Lesson for the day. So the thing I want to encourage you to do is find somebody and don't put His off. His name was Meriwether. Meriwether. Lewis. Lewis. I'm sorry. Is that for real? Yes. Yeah. His name was Meriwether Lewis. Yes. And William Clark. Meriwether Lewis. I am my big age. Have never heard their full names. <laughs> that is, that Meriwether is. Lewis. Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. And you know something about that that's amazing is Meriwether Lewis was the one who was commissioned by the president, I believe. Yes. And he did not want to do it unless William Clark would, if they could share the title together, like wow. could be co-leaders. And the president would not allow it. But he chose William Clark anyway to be a second lieutenant. But when it came to all the people on the Corpse Discovery Group, um, he told them that they were equal leaders. Interesting. He gave it away. Yeah, it was. It is actually a cool story. Yeah. Oh my goodness! So find somebody out there and be your Lewis to their Clark. Yep. And uh, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Don't live life with regrets. Stay humble. Pray that God will put somebody in your life. It can be a modern-day hero that you can reach out and touch, drink coffee with, ice cream, or whatever you're thinking. A honey Listen, bun. Listen a honey to him play the piano. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you for letting us share our heart, and we will be with you again right here on Real Talk.